How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagner here. Welcome you to edition number 28 of Joe vs. the World. My guest today writes for thecubsfan.com, and he also designed the wonderful logo for our show. It's Tom Feely. Tom, how you doing? I am doing good, and I would That's like to start off this thing with seven statements. Okay. Like, no, six statements. I counted my notes wrong. I have a lot of notes. One, I would like to thank you for allowing me to make my uh, internet radio debut. I know it's pronounced debut, but I just wanted to say but. Um, here on Joe vs. the World. I'm a bit nervous, but in the legendary words of uh, noted character actress Elizabeth Berkeley, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so pause scared. Secondly, <laughs> that took a while, right? Yeah. All right. Secondly, um, just if I get to my uh, mouth, often tries to keep up with the pace of my brain. So if I get to talking too fast, just tell me, you know, to slow down. It's a fine thing. For me, it's kind of a bad day because for some reason today my mouth is very dry. So I'm going to be taking a lot of sips of water. If you hear any noise, that's that. Four, I prefer to be called noted wrestling historian Tom Feely because you have me on here to talk the history of the Survivor Series. That's why I want to tell. Right. Uh, five, I am the most requested guest in Dover's of the World History because on account of Tanvir requested me once. That's true. Yes. And six, since I'll be doing the majority of this interview uh, lying on my bed, I just thought I'd like to do a quick uh, Dover's of the World promo in the style of, say, those late-night infomercials for a uh, late-night chat line, because I figured since I'm on my, lying on my bed, much like the women in those commercials, that would be appropriate. So, may I? Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Am I going out Saturday, Sunday afternoon? No. I'm staying in and calling Joe versus the world. You never know who's going to be on the line. Joe Gagne, Justin Shapiro, the Cubs fan... Joe vs. the world, it's fun, it's flirty, and best of all, it's free. So what are you waiting for? Try it out. Okay. This show is fun and flirty and free. Yes. So, very good. Yes. Emphasis on flirty. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, when uh, when the Cubs fan showed me the logo, which uh, features the former wrestler Just Joe, well, I guess he is still a wrestler, but... um, Uh, Is he? Yeah. Uh, In, like, um, Italy, I think, he may have dredged up some work, but... uh, I actually didn't recognize him, which which made me sad because he has a wrestler named Joe. Yes, you got to know I, these things. I do. I actually saw Just Joe wrestle live at a heat taping in in 2000, where he fought. Oh, f- was that against uh, Malenko? Was it? No, this was uh, he he teamed with Al Snow against Lowdown, D'Lo Brown, and uh, Chaz. He only had like two matches. Didn't wasn't the singles match against uh, Malenko? I think that was when his first match. When everyone's like, because "Hey, just, Just Joe, he's pretty cool." I just because I just remember the Titantron. Rumor has it. Yeah. And never again. Never again. But I'll ask, uh, how did young Tom Feely get into the, the watching the wrestling? And the... Um, oh, all right, where to start? Well, might as well start at the start. Um, just basically flipping through the channel, some idle uh, Saturday, Sunday morning, and I noticed a show called WWF Mania hmm. with some man named Todd Pettengill. Oof. And, well, at the time, I was only 10, so I didn't really, you know... I had no sense of what what made or did not make a good uh, wrestling personality announcer type person. And actually, uh, Todd Pettengill, since he does a radio show right here on Long Island, we see him all the time on uh, local commercials. And there was one like notable commercial where uh, 
they're trying him and his a uh, partner or whatever you call it are trying out for some American Idol TV show type TV show and they're singing their song and they're like in the back and they're like oh man I think we got it nobody could have beat us and William Hung like comes in and he's like oh man I totally beat you guys and he shows up the tickets that says he's going to Hollywood and it's like haha William Hung is a better singer than those two guys wah wah yes it's a very hilarious comedic effect uh, isn't Todd like like embarrassed about his wrestling uh, his tenure in the WWF he doesn't talk have- about it I have no idea. I do not have to listen to it, so I think it's on one of the adult top 40 networks or something where I don't know if I wanted to hear, say, Bonnie Tyler or um, what's some other, like, crappy 70s, 80s type um, band that my parents like. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Barry Manilow. Yeah, yeah, that kind of crap. Uh, anyway, back to WWF Mania. Wow. So the match that actually got me hooked in was Adam Bomb versus Erwin R. Seifer. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. This would have been like 95, right, I'm guessing? Yes, this was early 95. This was, no, actually very early 94, because I remember they had a recap on that week that someone named Diesel had won the WWF title by pinning Mr. Bob Backlund in eight seconds in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So the beginning of a very, very, uh, one of the great champion eras in the World Wrestling Federation. That's debatable. So, <laughs> so I pretty much I was watching Mania for a while, and I got to see you know, such top-tier matchups as Razor Ramon versus Mark Starr, and uh, the British Bulldog versus Double J, Jeff Jarrett, the evil country singer. Great stuff. So, so you were mainly a WWF guy, you weren't... Uh... Oh, um... No, no, I didn't get into WCW until, uh, well, until 1996. Because well, what happened was, I started watching Mania, and then I realized that, like I said, these clips were from other TV shows. I was like, wow, the WWF has other TV shows besides WWF Mania. Hmm. This included something called Monday Night Raw. And I was like, wow, got to check this out. So um, one week I did, and... I was hooked, I was hooked right from the get go because they had Doink the Clown, which a clown, holy crap, and he wrestles, versus Mr. Bob Backlund, who I thought was like <laughs> the greatest thing ever. I'm actually pretty annoyed because, uh, well, last year the Warrior came to University of Connecticut, mm-hmm. or was that year and a, two years ago? Recently, yeah. And I saw you know I saw like they have all the written on you know the sidewalks like come see the Warrior you know. Former WWF wrestler, the Warrior, supported by the College Republicans, but I didn't know where the building was, and I kind of forgot about it, so I wound up missing it, and, you know, obviously that whole thing happened with uh, yeah. queering doesn't that make the world work. And such. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it I actually remember that uh, that Doink-Bob Backlund match. That was on a, um, I think it was a James uh, Kalen raw tape I got from him. If I said that right, yeah, it took place in, like, a high school gym. It was so tiny. The uh... It had the intro. Wasn't there, like... Because it was the opening match, I remember, and they had, like, close-ups. Did they have the uh, intro segment with the opening close-ups, and Doink's like, I'm going to beat him, ha, 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 I'm a wacky clown. I think Bob so. Backlund, what? I think that, I think that was the case. And Bob Backlund's like, oh, the plebeians don't know that I am going to procure the crush-faced chicken wing on this. <laughs> What's the fancy word for clown? I don't know. Oh, um. But anyway, I was, I was annoyed yeah. that I missed, um, I was walking through, uh, 
the student union that saw a sign that said, Mr. Bob Backlund, coming to UConn, but sadly it was the day before. And that oh. made me very, very sad. I missed it. It's very poorly advertised. That is sad. Well, yes. We uh, got you on today to talk about the Survivor Series, which is coming up uh, a week from today. Indeed. Actually, the but 20th edition. Yes. Oh, go ahead. That's right. And um, it was originally one of the, the big four pay-per-views when it was just uh, WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series until they added the King of the Ring in 1993. Okay. And they used to hold it uh, Thanksgiving night, which, um, I don't know, what would you think about holding pay-per-views on a holiday night like that. I mean, I'm usually I don't have to travel far to see my family, so I'm I'm usually done by like you know all my obligations at say like oh. 7 p.m. So I could watch a pay per view then, but other I, people I don't know. I'm just the opposite because uh, we okay. go out. My uncle holds it on uh, Shelter Island, which is the uh, between the two forks of Long Island. So it's like I don't get back till midnight. I, it seems like a crap idea to me. Okay. To run a pay per view on a Thanksgiving night, which I assume is why they changed it to not Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, it used to be the Thanksgiving night tradition, then yeah. it became the Thanksgiving Eve tradition, and then it's just a Sunday in late November. Yep. But, um, yeah, it was um, it was interesting, because you had WrestleMania and SummerSlam, which were just wrestling cards with, you know, big matches. You had the Royal Rumble, which featured the Rumble match, and the Survivor Series had uh, elimination tags. Yeah. Usually, te- it was 10-man to start, and it was a weird no-pressure kind of pay-per-view, because... There are no titles on the pressure. line. Who will survive? I mean, well, who, who will survive? But, but it's not like feuds got settled. No titles were on the line. It was just, you know, oh, hey, here's some stars interacting. Let's, let's watch. Because this was still the days of squash matches. So, you know, any, any, any non-jobber squash, stuff. Squash, also a Thanksgiving tradition. Yeah, also a Thanksgiving tradition. But if, if you saw something without Mario Mancini, that was a treat. So, But as a, a newer fan, have you ever, you know, sought out the stuff from the 80s? Or are you uh, just like... No, I've seen a few matches here and there. Uh, cause I was looking through all the cards on Wikipedia, and I've seen a few stuff here from there, like the um, the match with all the doinks, like on was on uh, once again going back to doink, oddly enough, was on one of the uh, one Christmas I got all these random like Coliseum videos, and would have like the wackiest matches in WWF history, and one of them was the four doinks match. And one was the uh, Bret Hart Shawn Michaels ladder match because whoa, it's a ladder. <laughs> and the Razor Ramon one two three kid match with the giant bag of money because it's like that's a lot of money on the line. That's crazy. Oh, it's a bag with a dollar sign on it. Yes, holy crap! Wow, that's, that's anything odd. in fact can happen in WWF. That's very true. Yes, and because uh, I like I've gone back and I've watched some of this stuff and it's not good wrestling, but. I, I watched this stuff growing up, so I'm, I'm powered by nostalgia, so it's still, it still holds a fascination for me, so I imagine any newer fans would be like, you know, this is ass, but... Yeah. I, I, I'm looking at the results right now, and I see like stuff like, pinfall following hip toss. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Okay. What a fearsome but, um, super. Yeah, nothing nothing happened the first uh, the first two years, other than the, uh, the ten-man tag elimination in, uh, I think it was 88, with the Famous Powers of Pain demolition double turn at the end. The whole match went, I think, about 40 minutes. And if you've never seen that, I, I do recommend that because that's a lot of fun. Okay, will do. Oh, I do have a question. I'm looking sure. through this 1987. Who is Donna Christ- Cristinello? That is what the match one. was he in? That's a woman. Oh, pff, that was... Um, <laughs> okay, that's I, I thought you said Don, but um, like I don't remember that. Um, oh, it was, uh, That was when they had a... Uh, 
It's like a five on five women's yes elimination exactly. tag. I guess they just had to scrape they had up. To uh, fill, they had to fill out one hundred. Yeah, they 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 did. Donna Cristinella. Yeah, I don't. Her moment of glory. Yeah, her one. Thumbs up, Donna Cristinella, wherever you are. Yeah, we remember. Sure. Well, I rem- Well, actually, I don't remember. Actually, we we don't. And neither remember. do you. So, never mind. Yeah, that pass. But yeah. um. In uh, 1989, they switched from uh, to eight-man tags with five matches instead of four. And outside of Zeus wrestling, uh, not not a lot happened. But um, I do enjoy the team names, such as such as the Rude Brood. It was great that... when um, Vince McMahon would run down the pay-per-view. He'd be like, "Rick Rude, captains the Rougeau brothers and Mr. Perfect against Roddy Piper, captaining the Bushwhackers and uh, Jimmy Snuka. It's Rude's Brood versus Roddy's Rowdies." I do enjoy that the synergy because the brood, as you know, the vampires, their whole gimmick was that they were dead, and you know where I'm going with this. In the first of many, haha, these people are dead jokes. If my notes are any indication, the rude brood, ironically, half of the team is also dead. That's true. Yes, wow. a fun fact. We'll have to go through For and see which, which team is the most uh, uh, dead. Oh, which team members? <laughs> the one the with the Undertaker. Well, I, I don't know if that counts, but let me see. Um, no, I thought I had uh, one of Andre's early teams had himself uh, and Rick Rude, but they also had Butch Reed, King Kong Bundy, and One Man Gang, who I think are all still among the living. Um, hmm. If Butch Reed... Is Butch Reed dead? I don't think so. Something happened with Butch Reed. He could have died. I don't know. If Butch Reed died, who would notice? Yeah, he has not been around in uh, 15 years, so... Yeah. I remember went on the, the rodeo circuit after he uh, quit wrestling. Wow. I, I never figured Crazy. that out, but whatever. Well, 1990 is where it gets interesting, because a guy named The Undertaker debuted in a match where it was one of the, the few times in history where a mystery partner was not a disappointment. And uh, if you know, if you listen to last week's show, you'll know I was a big fan of Mean Mark Callis, and uh, I was very stoked when he showed up, and... I cannot emphasize how great the Undertaker gimmick was at the start, because it was just so well... I mean, you can really believe this guy was a zombie. Not the zombie, but uh, a zombie. A zombie. Wow. Yeah. Of course, uh, that was also the year with the gobbledygooker, which was um, not so good. Yeah, not a, a very stark contrast between gimmicks there. Yeah. Both in and, terms uh, of success and the actual gimmicks. Although I would like to see an undead turkey. <laughs> I think that that might get over. That might ruin your Thanksgiving, but... um. Also, I would like to give a shout-out to Pat Tanaka, who else he was on the card. I, well, who was another person who I was wondering, is Pat Tanaka dead? Because Pat Tanaka seems like one of those random people who would be dead. I don't think Pat Tanaka's dead. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. All right. Because I will never forget him and his amazing performances, Elgato, at the Great American Bash, 1996. Where he got the uh, U.S. title shot against Conan? Yes, and he, yeah. like... Cracked his head and then got pinned with a oh, right. or something. <laughs> not, not. Or maybe it was Pat's finest moment. I, don't I know, think it was but... some sort of roll up, which was his his uh, Oof. downfall. El gato. Yes, El gato. Yeah, that means the cat in English or Spanish. Is that f- yeah, it's Spanish. Well, whatever. Well, in English, it is the cat. In English, it is the, the cat. But yes, I'm glad we cleared this up. Uh, 1990 was also the year they had a, uh, a final elimination tag where all the winners from the night's matches went on to a final elimination tag, which was a cool idea, and they never did it again. So there you go. Whoa. Hooray innovation. Yeah. 
1991. Oh, go ahead. I did notice uh, in the Sergeant Slaughter and the Team Mustafa versus Team Slaughter match. Yep. A lot of pinfalls off of closed lines. Yeah, that was um, that was a. Uh, let me see. Yeah, that was a bad match. That uh, oh, so I just pinned people with clothes lines. So there you go. Yes. Uh, Ninety-one. We had the first uh, title match as Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan to win the WWF title to set up this Tuesday in Texas. And boy, did that match suck ass! And uh, these two have never worked together well at all. If you remember, uh, remember two thousand two, oh. their epic feud. Well, actually, that match was better than the subsequent Undertaker versus Triple H title match. Well, yeah, but still, but, um, yes, yeah, very bad. Not not much of note in '91 besides that. '92 only had the only had one elimination tag, so they pretty much had gotten away from the formula at that point. But it did have the fondly remembered uh, Ric Flair, Razor Ramon against Mr. Perfect and Randy Savage match, as well as uh, Bret Hart beating Shawn Michaels in uh, a title match. And no, it wasn't that match. That was a few years later. Yes, I want. And Yokozuna defeating Virgil. That's right. Which I, was, I would like to hear. Was there, in fact, a setup for that match, or was it just, hey, here's this big fat man. He is fearsome. He will squash Virgil. Yeah, they, they pretty much didn't come out and say, uh, you know, um, this is a match to showcase this big fat guy who will crush Virgil like a bug. Uh, I was it, hoping there was some sort of feud. No, sort of so they just filled out, like, oh, here are some guys fighting. Oh. That was kind of, we were still at that point. Very disappointing. Yeah. 93 had uh, some more elimination tags. It, had, it was supposed to be Hart Brothers against Jerry Lawler and his Knights, but Lawler got busted for rape and sodomy, so Shawn Michaels filled in. If you're going to get, I always say, if you're going to get busted for anything, let it be rape and sodomy. But he was cleared of all charges, so. Ooh. Free Jerry yeah. Lawler. Sorry. That was also the year with the uh, the great All-Americans versus the Foreign Fanatics main event, and the yeah. less said, the better. And the many doinks. And was that the year with the uh, the four doinks? Yes. Okay. One of the wackiest matches in WWF history, as the wackiest matches in WWF history has shown. If you can't trust Coliseum Home Video, I don't know who you can trust. Exactly. And uh, 94, we had uh, Bob Backlund, him again, winning the WWF title against Bret Hart. We had the Diesel face turn, and we had Chuck Norris kicking Jeff Jarrett, so 50 million stars right there for that one. Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris. I bet he totally kicked the fuck out of some fucking fuck, because he's Chuck Norris, and he's awesome, but not as awesome as Sneaks on a Plane. Yes, and other ironic reference things. Did Chuck Chuck ever show up again in the WWF, or was this his his one-time appearance? Um, it seems with Walker, Texas Ranger on USA, there would be some natural huh. I know William Shatner was on for Tech War. <laughs> and briefly I, do, I remember this. Huh? I do remember that. Yeah. Because he said and the people have a right to see Tech War. He told Jerry Lawler that. Something of, of that nature. Because this is America, damn it. Because then he gave him a month you can't have war, then something. And How else will the children learn about Tech War? Hmm? How else will the children learn about Tech War? Exa- yes, Exactly. And I, I do get that reference. Very well done. Thank you. Um, who else was? What other crossovers did they have? Mario Lopez, I know, was on for Pacific Blue. You had the pig from uh, Duckman talking to Jr. in uh, a surreal and sad moment. Really? Yeah, he called the uh, voice of uh, Cornfed the pig called up. Was that JR. before? 90, was that before '95? Um, I think it may have been a bit. Oh, I don't. When was? I think it may have been a bit before. Oh, you probably just missed it. That's the most disappointing news I've heard all day. That was uh, that was weird. 
but yeah. Also, with Lex Luger's team named Guts and Glory. Now, I assume Lex Luger provided the, provided the glory. Now, who provided the guts? Mabel? Because Mabel was Viscera, and yes, Viscera is guts. He That's does have guts. a lot of guts. It could be foreshadowing of his future gimmick. Very good. Could have been. Making you think. It could have been. Let's see, we're up to 95, which was uh, kind of fun, because we had uh, Bret Hart beating Diesel to win the WWF title in a really awesome match. And, uh, yes. Maybe Diesel's best match. It's on the Bret DVD. And, uh, oh, this one I saw. I, actually, I was not a, that much of a fan of Bret Hart until this match in my 10-year-old thing. So yeah. Like, wow, that was a really good match. This Bret Hart, there might be something to him. Yeah, Bret went through the table in a fairly famous spot. and uh, Yes. Yeah. One with a small package. We also had some other fun stuff. We had the, the uh, wild card elimination. A crazy tag. women's match. Yeah, crazy women's match. Good with stuff. The, for, uh, the spinning back fist, which I was a very huge fan of. Because as a 10-year-old, you look for the maneuvers that you can do. <laughs> and, like, the spinning back fist. Like, I mean, most of them are submissions. Like, the sharpshooter, very good. The figure four leg lock, also very good. But it's, you know, it's a hassle to get them on because you got to get the, per- the person down. But yeah. the spinning back fist, you can just whip around and just... Knock them right in the face. Sure. And you're in the lunch easy. line. It's very cuts simple. in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly. in a, yeah. It's very simple. It's very effective. I approve. Good times. Yeah. Uh, 1996, the best Survivor Series ever. You had uh, yes. Brett Austin won. You had uh, debut of some guy called Rocky Maivia. And you had Sid winning the world title from Shawn Michaels. And easily Sid's finest hour, at least uh, in the ring. Indeed. Talk- talking on the mic was probably, he had some fine moments. but Yes. Can't say enough good things about this one. Um, Well, actually, because this was in Madison Square Garden, there was an insert in the paper, like, the week before, previewing all the matches, including the stuff that they had not announced yet on televised television. Mm. Um, The Rock, you know, they had all those, uh, Rocky Maivia, they had all those uh, hype packages going up. And I didn't hate The Rock at first. My thoughts were just, wow, that shoulder breaker is a really crap finisher. Because they're like, ooh, I'm running. Ooh, I will drop them lightly onto my knee. Pinfall. Yeah. Now their shoulder hurts. They're incapable of kicking out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that is a psychology. They cannot get the shoulder up if the shoulder oh. is in pain. And sure. also, I saw the name Flash Funk. And due to my, uh, due to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, I knew of Terry Funk. <laughs> so I figured that perhaps Flash Funk was related to Terry Funk. And I was expecting some sort of, like, badass Texas man who would, like, punch people in the face. And instead it was just too cold Scorpio in neon. That's a shame. That must have been very disappointing. Well, I did not know that Terry Funk was as great as Terry Funk actually is. I I did not know then what I do know now. I've become wiser in my advanced age of 21. That's good. That's good to know. Let's see. 1997, anything happened during that? Uh, Not really. Let's move on. All right. That was, um, we, we jest, of course. This was the, the Montreal screw job, which, uh, you'll hear about till the end of time. The and, Montreal uh, screw job brought yep. to you by Karate Fighters. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. Karate Fighters. They actually had, for those not knowing what we're talking about, they actually had, um, there were these, these toys called Karate Fighters, I guess, uh. I, I did buy, I did buy them. I oh, to... you had Karate Fighters. Wow. I, Tell I us did. about them. Um,. The actual game kind of sucked, but I did use them in booking my little action figure federation. And I think I had one of them as, like, 
a top, uh, one of like the evil ones or something, one of the more undead ones. I had feuding with The Undertaker, naturally. And I believe I had one feuding for the world title with uh, Owen Hart or someone else random. And actually, in a, in a precursor of things to come, uh, the Owen Hart, the head on my Owen Hart action figure fell off. But I, I, I did still, since he was still capable of performing the uh, spinning wheel kick, which, since the sharpshooter didn't really work, became his default finisher, the headless Owen Hart was still able to procure the Tom Feely Federation uh, title belt. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. And also, this was the debut of a great, great man, Steve Blackman. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Who I Lots of, uh, another famous debut at Survivor Series. Besides exactly. The Rock I, I used to use Steve Blackman all the time in uh, WrestleMania 2000, and uh, was he in No Mercy? I think so. If he was, then I used him, and I'd always... I don't remember how it was his finisher or his strong grapple plus down plus B move, but I would always win matches with the guillotine, and that got me to thinking... An awesome gimmick would be a French revolutionary and his finisher, huh? Huh? Would be the guillotine. Get it? <laughs> I get it. Yes. I get it. Yes. Anyway. And then the yes. yes go, go ahead. I was thinking another awesome gimmick since mm-hmm. the WWE as Jillian Hall with the ball based on Austin Powers and other gimmicks show. They like to take gimmicks right from popular culture. Mm-hmm. And I think with Borat being one of the top movies, you know, in the country, they need a wacky Russian foreigner. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, who loves America? Now the question is, who would fit that role? And I might think Oleg Prudius, since you know he's Russian. Mm-hmm. Then I'm thinking, since they have Mark Canterbury under contract, hold on, the Russian pig farmer who loves America, Henry O. Gorbachev. Hog. Yes, exactly. It it works on two levels. And you can bring back Barry Horowitz and make him feud. Works on two works on a few levels. A, recreating nineteen ninety five, a money period. Two, since the character is anti Semitic, you could you could Yeah, 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 you could just, you know, build a feud right there. And three, Jews do not eat pork, so therefore it's a natural feud with the pig farmer. I have to put You should you should write that down. Oh, I did. I did. That's so I'll map that right here. There's all, right. all everything I just wrote, and then an arrow, and then a dollar sign. <laughs> send that to Vince right away. He's looking for ideas. I will. Got his email. Um. Yeah, I'll send it to you later. Sweet. I, I want to announce it on the air. Yes. All right. Well, uh, 1997. Uh, besides the uh, main event, uh, was pretty shitty. So. Indeed. Don't bother. 98, we had a one-night tournament for the WWF title that was uh, pretty fun, it, even if the wrestling was not quite all that. It, was a, dead, it was a deadly game. And I, it was I do a deadly find, game. I do find it funny that, I mean, at the time, this was like the finish. They were like, oh, man, the reference on Montreal was just so crazy and innovative and great. <laughs> and it's just weird. That, I don't know because I don't know how well, it was, uh, how well it was received by the IWC at the time since I was only getting into the Internet around the time. But, I think people people uh, enjoyed it as far as storytelling went. The whole show was uh, pretty good. I think I got some pretty good reviews, although yeah. my memory is a little hazy from that point. But And also, I would like to say, in doing research, I clicked on a Dwayne Gill's Wikipedia page, and I found this sentence to be one of the greatest in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. Prior to the Goldsberg parody, Gill would often use sneaky roll-up pins to pick up a victory. 
I didn't that know he ever got victories. He probably rolled up like uh, Mark Marrow or something. I don't know. Oh, could be. Or other it, lower card. It would always up. be like when there was a jobber match and Lord Alfred Hayes was commentating. He'd always put the jobber over and saying, well, he's bracked up quite a few wins here. Let's see how he does against uh, Damian Demento. And it's like, no, he did. He Mark Starr has not won a match uh, anywhere. And I I follow these things pretty closely. Does that include men at work? Um, no, this was this predated men at work. So ah. unless Lord Al could see the future, then uh, I tend to. The tag it. team, but not the band. Yeah. I would prefer the band, actually, but minute work. Yeah. Uh, where were we at? We're at 1999. We had the debut, some guy named Kurt Angle, Big Show winning the first his first WWF title, and I think Steve Austin got run over by Rikishi at this show. Yep. Kind of a weird one. Yep. That's uh, that's pretty much all my notes. Austin hit by a car, <laughs> what weird looking. Oh, yeah, this is the one where they had all the stuff set up, and then they just kind of threw random teams out there, like... Val Venus, Mark Henry, Gangrel, and Steve Blackman. Because I remember, this one I distinctly remember, yeah, because it was all the fantasy booking, everything kind of made sense, and then they just kind of announced, like, British Bulldog will be teaming with the Green Street Posse for absolutely no reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 2000 was, boy, that was a shitty show, and uh, 2000 was such a great year, but this was a bad show. Yep. Low-lighted by Steve Austin dropping Triple H out of a forklift and uh, Triple wow. H being fine. Yeah, wasn't he back the next day? Or did he actually I think, take a week off? No, he may have been back the next night. Yes. It was, it then, was much, much sooner than it should have been. Yeah, and The Rock beating the Rock, uh, beating Rikishi. Very, very weird booking there, since Rikishi was like the new big heel that they were trying to make a oh, big heel. Right. Although he was already big and a heel, but just, you know, not a big heel. Yeah. And then The Rock just beat him. I was like, yep. oh, okay. And uh, the feud over coffee. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, I remember that. How wacky that was. A feud over coffee. Wow. It's so crappy had, uh, and wrestling. You could call it wrestle crap. True. And you also had uh, Eric Angle helping out his brother Kurt against The Undertaker. Oh, man. Yes. Uh, oh, Eric yeah. Angle. I think it was Eric Angle. Yes. Well, it was one of them. Uh, 2001 was the end of the invasion storyline, and uh, you had some, I think, some unification matches, what have you, in the final big blow-off to the invasion angle. Yep. Don't remember a whole lot besides that. That freaky good edge test match. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which was, like, completely inexplicable. <laughs> and also, another big debut, Daz. Who? Daz. Oh, ta- oh. Jazz. Oh, Jazz. I think it's a Taz. Oh, no. I'm like, he's already been around for a while. Jazz. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, all right, then. I'll have to pick that one up. Yes. Urgh. Um, Where are we at? 2002? That was the first oh, Elimination it. Chamber. Yes. In a fine, fine... Actually, Elimination Chamber has been a very good gimmick since uh, they came up with it. I don't I, think it's been, like, a, a bad match with that. I don't remember liking the first match that much, or that much, actually, but that might just be because at the time I was really, really hating Shawn Michaels for some reason. I don't know. I think it was the haircut. Who's kind Maybe of his brown pants? Perhaps that. But, brown uh, pants, fruity haircut. Yep. Yeah. You also had a big show winning uh, the SmackDown title from Brock Lesnar. So. Great move there. <laughs> that lasted. Uh, well, that lasted a month. Storyline for the ages. Truly one of the great Survivor Series uh, moments of history. In the history of Survivor Series, that is a moment. Sure. 
um, 2003. I I barely remember this. Uh, I think it's a combination of um, unmemorable booking and too many pay-per-views. Like, I could rattle off, like, early 90s pay-per-views, like, match by match, but yep. all, I, all I remember of the results was Vince and The Undertaker in a Buried Alive match. Yeah. Blue. Um, <laughs> there was that... <laughs> Actually, I don't think I saw this one. I think I was up in college by then. I do not watch wrestling up at college ever since uh, about my second week of freshman year. I had the TV on. We, me and my roommate were sitting around. We were like at our computers, and Raw was just kind of idly on in the background. And two girls walk in, and we're talking and everything, and they're like kind of standing in front of the TV so I can see it like over their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I guess something on my face gave it away because I kind of you know gave the TV this look, and everyone turns around. And there is Kane taking out a car, taking out a battery, and attaching jumper cables to Shane McMahon's crotch. <laughs> and it's just, ooh. Uh, yeah. How how is uh, how is wrestling viewed by the college crowd these days? Because when I was in college, from uh, up to '99, uh, like it was, like we we would set up two TVs so we could uh, watch Nitro and Raw as like a, we would have like almost little parties every Monday, and that was a, a big deal, you know. I didn't didn't matter what you had to do. You you caught Raw and uh, Nitro, but I, I take it not 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 the same level of. Uh, I've never heard anyone mention it ever. I remember I watched it once. I watched Smack. I was flipping the channels and I stayed on SmackDown once in my sophomore year, and Scotty Tuhati was wrestling, and my roommate just went, "Oh, he's still around," and then like he went and got drunk. Which, <laughs> I don't know. Uh. That's about the extent of, uh, yeah, it's not very well viewed. It's not very viewed at all. As the ratings show, ha, 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 ha. Mm. A great joke by me. Sure, I'll have to edit that out, but um, yeah. let's see. 2004 we had, I remember the uh, Team Orton against Team Triple H, where the winning team got control of Raw for four weeks, and I remember, uh, I think Maven was on that team. Yes, and, uh, Raw is Maven. Yeah, I, rem- I do remember that. That is my one note. Uh, my two notes are Raw is Maven and Awesome Poster, which was oh, that, the, uh, the animated the one. one. The, yeah, the one with the, um, it looked like, uh, oh, that uh, artist, Frank Quitely, I think. Hmm? Uh, Comic it. book guy, I just. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I, I yeah, just know I, the person in the middle, I think it's supposed to be The Undertaker, but instead it just looks kind of like The Great Kali or The Big Show as the Giant, but with a beard. Yeah, so someone uh, someone kind of dropped the ball there, but yeah. And lastly, 2005, we had a uh, Team SmackDown versus Team Raw, and yeah, that's all I remember. Yes, what a and in a dark match, Hoofentude defeated Simon Dean. That was probably the most exciting thing on the card because it's Hoofentude, and he was in the WWF. And remember that it was wacky. He said lots of things in broken English. It was crazy. I hope that's on the DVD because I don't think the same thing. That's probably the match I'm most interested in. But it only went four minutes, so it couldn't have been that great. But oh uh, well, I don't know. Maybe like Hooventude hilariously dropped Simon Dean on his head or something with the Hoovy driver. I hope so. Yeah. Of course, Simon Dean is now in management. So who got the last laugh? Uh, I don't know. is probably laughing at something right now. Yeah, but probably outside. laughing at a maybe yeah. a tree outside is. His house, that's but our psychosis. True. Yes. All right. Well, that's the history of Survivor Series. We have Survivor Series coming up a week from this Sunday. The future of Survivor Series. Yeah.
can't wait. I figure we'll run down the card real quick. We have uh, Lita taking on Mickie James in a women's title match. Probably Lita's final match. If you uh, believe what you hear, Mickie James will win. And uh, these two have had some bad matches the last couple weeks, but maybe yeah. they'll pull out the softs for a good one. I was hoping that this would be some sort of elimination match, just so Mickie James's team could be the James Gang, and due to some oversight, they could hilariously trademark the name from TNA. But I actually looked on the uh, trademark database and everything, and TNA actually did bother to trademark the name, which made me very sad. Too bad. And now they don't use it anymore, so... Yeah, so, yeah, maybe if it expires between now and uh, Sunday, if it is no longer deemed a live uh, trademark, Hmm. then Dream can come true. The boyhood dream of me... And uh, first blood match, we have Mr. Kennedy against The Undertaker. And who could win this in a situation where someone can lose without being pinned? Hmm. Perhaps Mr. Kennedy will pick up the win here. But do dead men bleed? Uh, Yeah, Undertaker's bled a lot, so I think it's safe to say he still will. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Kennedy, he could be, like, good or real good in two years or so, but I don't really need to see him right now in long matches with The Undertaker. No. Nobody wants that. No, but we're getting it, so... Vince yeah. listens to the fans? Yeah, something like the that. The fans who say, Kennedy! <laughs> Kennedy. Vince listens to the fans as long as they say what he wants to hear. Yes. The, otherwise, he'll punish them for bad opinions. Unless they'll show everyone his ass until they... Uh, In cartoon form. As well. I was really disappointed. Was it, is it, wasn't the Mr. McMahon's ass uh, video thing supposed to be up by now? I believe they had a story where, where the, the ass was uh, hard to work with, so there's been a delay. Really? And I'm not making this up, so. Wow. What an arrogant, arrogant ass. Yeah, well. Anyway, we have uh, U.S. title, Chris Benoit against Chavo Guerrero and uh, with Vicky there as well, and another life-affirming storyline that uh, I don't know. Should be a good match. Which means yeah, I'm sure it'll be okay. fine. Probably won't be, though, due to some sort of... Uh... Wacky shenanigans, yeah. Yes. I'm trying to think who could interfere on Chris Benoit's behalf to counteract the uh, evil Vicky Dom- Guerrero. Woman, bring her in. I don't know. Why not? Dominic. No, Dominic. Yes, Dominic. Oh, man. Guerrero's everywhere. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, for the world title, King Booker against Batista in probably a crappy match. Think they'll do a title change here, or will they try to hold it off to WrestleMania? What are they doing? Because wasn't the big WrestleMania thing supposed to be Batista lastly, but now he's... He's on ECW now, so that's probably out the door. And I don't know what else... I really don't know what they're going to do for WrestleMania this year. Batista, Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I know know there's a couple months to build, but I can't think of any possible match that makes me want to say, you know, oh boy, what a WrestleMania moment that'll be. Who else is even on SmackDown anymore? Unless, like, Batista Undertaker, the Unstoppable Force, versus the Unstoppable Force. In a shitty match. Yes, with choke slams and spine busters. and <laughs> Just like Undertaker versus Ultimate Warrior, but worse. Yeah. That's probably unfair, wow. but I said it anyway. Man, who else did they even crap? Um, Jimmy Wang Yang? He won't make. He'll he'll get a cameo walking down the hall, and that's all he'll get for WrestleMania. Yeehaw. Yes. And 
lastly, we, we have some Survivor Series elimination matches. We have, this is great, we have the Spirit Squad against the legends, Ric Flair, Sergeant Slaughter, Dusty Rhodes. Roddy Piper had to uh, bow out because he had, uh, had to have surgery, originally thought to be a bowel or kidney stone problem, but I guess just his back. I hope it's so, IRS. Because that was the only legend who has appeared recently, right? Erwin um, Mike a.k.a. Yeah. Erwin R. Scheister. Boy, won't that be a big pop when uh, I, they announce him. I hope he does like a heel turn and he's like, oh, all the fans, you haven't paid your taxes. You haven't paid the gay tax because you're all gay. Ooh, burn. Did Ric Flair have um, problems with the, the uh, actual IRS in recent years? That's very true. Although, uh, what was it? He has the figure four tax, uh, fin- the figure four financial, uh, he has some sort of a tax relief program or something, but ironically, that's being like, you know, they used his name and likeness. Oh. It's like, put your IRS problems in the figure four leg lock and you will make the government tap out and win the belt of the government. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, we also have... Um... We have DX teaming with the Hardy Brothers and CM Punk against Edge, Randy Orton, Johnny Nitro, Greg Helms, and Mike Knox in uh, a, a weird match. Yeah. Um, there should be a lot to say about this, but really, oddly, I can't wait. No, to there really much. isn't. Wow, Hardy Boys. Yeah, the Hardy Boys are back, but they'll be back on ECW this Tuesday, so... Oh, really? Don't, don't wow. bother buying the pay-per-view. I'll have to tune in and not buy the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, finally, we have John Cena teaming with Kane, Bobby Lashley, Sabu, and Rob Van Dam, the weirdest team of all time, against uh, the Big Show Test, uh, Finlay, Umaga, and MVP. And um, I, I sent a friend at work, the uh, when they posted this, they posted pictures of both teams. I sent him this this match, and he said, why is Coach uh, in a Sapphire Series match? I said, no, that's MVP. Can't you tell he has dreadlocks? I think I would rather see the Coach, actually. The coach I think probably I has Coach. Well... Can't get enough of the coach. I don't know. Well, does the coach still have his cool music? I hope so. He has his theme from um, the Reckless Intent CD, so... If oh. that's the one you're thinking of. Oh, no, I'm into... What's he gonna do? No, he uh, does not use that anymore. Ah, oh, alright, then never mind. Screw it. Because oh. I would say... I mean, at least the coach should get that awesome music if he comes out. But... No, no, you that. I also like to call this match the, uh, the Chain Gang... Because that was, I think, the appropriate name for a team led by John Cena. Sure. Versus the most valuable big savage test that likes to fight. That rolls off the tongue. I thought it would be a John Cena's team would be the Marines to uh, plug his fantastic movie, which will be out on DVD in a few months. Yes. Oh, hmm. especially I could see Bobby Lashley as a GI bro type figure. He and was in uh, the, the armed services, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, actually, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I did see a thing that said they wanted actually to put him in armed forces gimmick or something like that, but they didn't think he could talk, which he can't. But <laughs> No, he, he's, he's soft-spoken like his Titantron says. So. Yeah, but hard-hitting. But hard-hitting. That's yeah. right. Actually, uh, John Cena should make his whole team dress up in army fatigues, which would I would, be... I would uh, love to see Kane in fat fatigues and Sabu... And, and for Rob, they can bring back the uh, private stash gimmick that uh, was not used with uh, the Misfits in action in WCW. Exactly. Or Rob Van Dam, like, he could have, like, 
he could be dressed in like camouflage and foliage, and the foliage would be weed, and it'd be like, ha ha ha, he smokes weed. 420. You know, if they want to do more WWE films, they could remake Stripes with uh, John Cena's team. And wouldn't that be a fine film? Um, no, probably not, actually. But well, it's worth a try. Yes. I would see it. Well, actually, no, I wouldn't see it. But No. I, I would. It would provide lots of entertainment. I, I might just to get a, a radio show out of it, but not for any sense of enjoyment. Huh. Well, that's yeah. the uh, Survivor Series. Um, yes. What looks a, like a, a missile well, show. What a long storied history that we can cover in about 45 minutes. Yep. yep. Well, anyway, you said you were going to gloat if Michigan won yesterday against Ohio State. They did not, but I'll ask you this. Rematch for the national championship? Um, I want it. The thing is, um, USC is going to kill Notre Dame. Notre Dame has no defense, so, I mean, when the Air Force quarterback, which is a running system, the Air Force quarterback, he's a good major quarterback, but if he's thrown against 300 yard, for 300 yards against a national title contender, forget it, they're going to, USC is going to pick him apart. Mm-hmm. So, the thing is, like, Michigan versus USC, I say, which OSU would you rather lose to? You know, Ohio State, which is the number one team in the country, mm. and really brought it or Oregon State, which is just a mediocre team. So I think Michigan definitely has a stronger case than USC. Now the question is Florida. I think Florida has more of a case to the national title game than USC because they're one loss at the Auburn, which is you know, actually a pretty good team, if a bit inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So if Florida, if they beat Florida State and then <clears throat> the win over Arkansas is going to be the key. Uh, I personally think LSU will beat Arkansas, but if Arkansas is able to survive, Arkansas is in the SEC title game anyway. If Arkansas looks impressive there, they beat LSU. And then Florida comes out and basically just whips ass on Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Then I could see a case being made for Florida because I don't really think Arkansas is that great of a team. They got lucky in the uh, Alabama win. I'm pretty sure they got lucky in the Auburn win. The NFC is touch for that, and Tennessee was just a bad matchup for Tennessee. But the LSU win, I think, would legitimize them probably in my eyes. So if Florida can whip ass on uh, Arkansas, then I think Florida could threaten. Because right now the perception is Florida's not playing that well, so Michigan is definitely uh, the better team there, and we'll probably get a uh, Florida won't get bumped up above Michigan. And even mm-hmm. if they do get bumped up above USA, which I even I don't know if that'll happen. And if Notre Dame beats USA, then I kind of gave up trying to figure all this out. But I'll be happy because there's no way uh, Michigan's going to wind up ranked behind Notre Dame since Michigan beat the crap out of Notre Dame. And Rutgers, boy, way to go there. Wow. And uh, <laughs> UConn, I'm also very disappointed. We lost to the uh, fearsome oranges of Syracuse. We lost to Fruit or a color, or some sort of abstract, fruity, colorful concept. And uh, so now we need to beat uh, we need to beat Cincinnati next week, which, coming off the Rutgers win, I think I think we can do it, because, I mean, if you look at Rutgers just had the big win, and they had the letdown, and it seems like a year of teams being having letdowns after big wins, and plus UConn, since going 1A, has never lost a home game in November, and the game's in Hartford. So I think we could do that, get to five and six, and then once again, like last year, we'll be five and six going into the game against Louisville. This time it's at Louisville. 
we'll need to beat them to make a bowl, and we're probably not going to. So another five and seven year. But I think we should stick with Edsel, the coach. Um, there's enough progress being made that I think you know there's some signs for hope in the future. Like maybe another one or two more years like this, like five and seven, five and seven, it might be time for a change. And plus, I don't really think we're getting a better coach right now. My one hope is that uh, something goes horribly awry at Iowa and Kirk Ferentz gets fired because I think he's one of the best coaches in the country and he used to play linebacker here at UConn. So, you know, maybe it would be time for him to come home. But other than that, I can't really see, like, hiring another unproven assistant or something doing anything with just setting the program back in another three or four years while it rebuilds. So, yeah, that's my thought on thoughts on college football in uh, however short a time that was. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I will give a quick shout-out to a fellow French-Canadian, George St. Pierre, for whooping ass on uh, Matthews last night on UFC. Thumbs up yep. to him. Making Brian Alvarez cry. Yep. Hell serves him right. But um, Yeah, really. I guess that's uh, it. We covered quite a bit of ground today. I want to thank, thank you for being gone. Uh, may I do my plugs? Oh, you may certainly plug away. Yeah. First, I would like to plug my uh, football blog where I discuss the aforementioned college football. Mm-hmm. I call it the Tom Feely Football Experience. It is available at Feely Football, F-E-E-L-Y, like the kicker, not the quarterback, feelyfootball.blogspot.com. I would also like to plug uh, Justin Shapiro's MySpace for because it's great www.myspace.com slash Shapiro. That's Shapiro with a Y. And lastly, I would like to plug uh, Michelle McCool's tremendously awkward entrance video, which I viewed on www.com. It's amazing. I think their advice was like, hey, be sexy and awkward and chew on your glasses a lot. Fantastic. And we will put a links up to, uh, we'll put links up to all this on the main page when the show yeah. is posted. I will plug um, our website. You can visit us at joeversestheworld.com or thecubsfan.com. We have a full archive of all our previous shows, tons of subject matter and guests. You will find something Unless that Unless everything like. is uh, taken down once again by Saudi Arabian hackers. By anti-Israeli uh, hackers, yes. But yeah. let, let's hope that doesn't happen. But um, Tom, definitely want to thank you for being on. We will get you on again at some point uh, down the road. And um, any, any last words? Um, bye. Bye. Uh, that's a good way to end it. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. I will talk to you very soon. Yeah.